Hi everyone, this is the Supported Sobriety Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm in recovery from an addiction to pornography. And I'm Katie, and I've been married to Matt and supporting him in his addiction for four years. We created this podcast to bring hope, healing, and greater understanding to both men struggling with pornography addiction and women who support someone struggling with an addiction. I upload episodes for men with pornography addictions. And I upload episodes for the women who are supporting their loved one. We share real stories from members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but anyone is welcome to listen, and we believe everyone can benefit from finding peace through Jesus Christ. We hope that this podcast can bring you closer to Jesus Christ and help you on your journey of recovery and healing. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Supported Sobriety. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of our podcast. We've been excited to launch this episode because today we're going to do a Q&A session. Yeah, we're super excited and really happy that a lot of people submitted questions. We're really excited to address them. Um, we're glad that we have been able to find some time to do this. We've been really busy, actually. Matt's kind of been in a job transition, which has been kind of crazy the last couple of weeks. And in between job transitions, we're kind of hoping to go on a trip. So we have been planning a trip to go to D.C. Actually, we're really excited and we were kind of hoping to not take the kids and just kind of get a little getaway together. But our baby has been kind of stubborn and hasn't been taking a bottle. So we're thinking that we're going to have to take him with us. Yeah, he's uh, he's been pretty stubborn. We've tried everything from pear juice to sugar. I put some Gatorade in yesterday to see if he was just like needing those electrolytes we don't really know so it's been um it's been a process but i think we're going to take him at this point and just try to have a a good trip and enjoy uh being together and and then we're going to take our oldest ellison to our parents house and uh he'll kind of jump back and forth over the few days so it'll be kind of a different trip than we were expecting but it'll still be really fun (laughs) yeah and we're excited to see dc so if you've got any um any thoughts on how to uh to visit dc in just a few days with a six-month-old uh, or any thoughts on how to get a six-month-old to take a, a yes, bottle? Yes, <laughs> exactly. That's what we're really looking for. Yeah, that's just we are using our entire audience now. Please help us. But yeah, like we said, we're really excited to share this episode just because we feel like it will be a really great opportunity to share some questions that people are thinking about and our thoughts on those questions. And a lot of these questions came from a fireside that we did recently. And the fireside was with a ward And we shared our stories and just talked about things that we've learned from our journey of dealing with pornography use. And some of these questions came from you guys, our listeners, when we put up the link last week. We were really excited to see some questions that we got there, and we're really grateful for your thoughtful questions. So hopefully we'll be able to answer them. And we also just wanted to say that, again, we are not experts on this subject, so we're just kind of coming from our own experiences and our own thoughts. There are a lot of different ways that you can answer these questions. So what we're saying is not 100% right or doesn't need to be applied to you if you don't feel like it does. So just kind of take what we say um, and you can also seek your own revelation to any of these questions that you have. Yeah, it's really hard, especially with limited context for us to give you like the perfect answer. So like Katie said, these are just our thoughts. Um, Sometimes I hate question and answer sessions because I feel like they kind of take the place of personal revelation. And so we hope that all of you can still receive your own revelation and think about things. I, I kind of see them as just a place to get a jump start and as a place for others to know that people are asking similar questions to you. And so hopefully you can use it like that and uh, that this will be helpful to you. 
Also, if this is the first that you're hearing about that link to like that Google form for where you can ask questions, I think we're going to leave that link live. And so we'll try to put it in the comments of this episode and all future episodes so you can ask any questions that you have. You can always email us as well, and we will answer questions periodically. I'm sure maybe do some of these if, if you guys like this and keep doing this in the future. Yeah, and before we get started, I just wanted to mention one other thing. So there is this really awesome resource on um, the church page, and I'm going to tell you how to find that. So it's an awesome resource for the spouses who are supporting their loved one with an addiction. And it also and on this resource, it actually has like help for spouses, help for parents. So it's a lot of different. There are a lot of different audiences, and it's specific to pornography too, right? Yes, it's specific to pornography. So what you do is you go into the church app, then you go to Life Help, and then you scroll down. It's kind of at the bottom of the page and click on pornography, and then it says help for spouses. So then you click on that, and it's separate from the spouse and family support guide. It's just a completely different manual specific to the spouses, and it talks about different principles. It's really amazing. It has um, a lot of different videos. There are some apostles that kind of talk about different subjects on it. There are other women who talk about their experiences helping their spouse in an addiction, and it is really, really powerful. So if you haven't looked at that, go check that out, and hopefully we'll continue to talk about that in this podcast. So I just wanted to mention that because I think it is really, really helpful. I think it's such a relevant resource. I was just on the phone this morning. I got a call from someone that I sponsored probably like four or five months ago, and he said that he's engaged and that... um, his fiance just kind of found out a little bit more about his addiction and he didn't really ask for any resources for that um his fiance but i was just thinking like this would be so amazing like the one video that i looked at with katie just now was elder holland and he was saying um no one expects to go into a marriage and have something bad happen no one expects for pornography to be something bad or you know whatever in their marriage but it's just like more common than we think and these are the ways to kind of get around that and so I think it's so timely and so amazing, and so definitely use that resource, um, whether you're a spouse struggling or a spouse supporting someone. And it's so cool, too, to hear some of the brethren talk about pornography addiction geared towards the spouse. I think that's really powerful, really helpful, and like Matt was saying, kind of timely. I think it's a newer resource in the last couple of years, but it doesn't really get talked about that much, but it's really awesome, so go check that out. Um, so now we're just going to kind of start the Q&A, and I think Matt's going to start the first question. Yeah, and there's no specific order on this, so hang on if this none of these kind of hit your, like, what you're looking for. Um, but yeah, we do have a few questions here, so I will just dive in. So the question is, do you suggest any apps or other things to block certain sites? I will say first that filters and app restrictions and stuff like that are super powerful, but they're not the solution. They're not like the ultimate guide to recovery, but I have found so much success in using filters. And so some of the ones that we've seen are kind of like content blockers. I used Custodio, that's Q-U-S-T-O-D-I-O, I I think. Mm -hmm. Um, There are lots of other ones out there, just kind of Google filters. Some of them are paid, some of them are free. There are also kind of resources like you use like a new browser. Um, We've seen Covenant Eyes is one that gets recommended. That one... I believe is a filter, but it also sends like ports to your support person of like screenshots of pages you're on, stuff like that. And it does it randomly. So you never really know. I know on my like iPhone, and I'm sure this is the case with other phones as well. I can set someone as like kind of um, my control person. I Like we made that Katie. And then we basically took all the sites 
off and then only put on like sites that we knew I could go on. And so that was super effective. And then if I ever needed like a new website, we could just add it. It was kind of stressful during school though. Like if I had to like go to a site for like a class or something, somehow we found a way around it and it was totally fine. Sometimes it was way awkward when Matt needed like a website like on his phone or computer or something and like someone was over at the house or something like that and he was a little uncomfortable about it. He'd be like, Katie, like I, you need to come in, like put in the website for me and it's always kind of a little bit embarrassing, but it worked out. Yeah, it's totally worth it too though. Just, I don't know, it it stopped me from having like those immediate relapses and things just when I'd be like triggered or something and helped me get some sobriety. Like I said, I do feel like the 12-step program and really working through kind of the underlying problems is like the true source of recovery, but it definitely is helpful. Also having passwords on computers and trying to be in public places as much as possible. And I feel like this, it's like during school, I would you know, try to do homework at school and stuff like that. Or like when Katie was home, like I would try not to be home alone. That's super helpful. And then also now I don't go on like Facebook or anything like that unless I'm with Katie or let Katie know or something. So those are some of the the things that we found. Um, I'd love to hear from you if you have any other thoughts on those as well. Yeah. Um, Great answer. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this next question says, how did you rebuild trust in your relationship? Even after Matt was honest with you, how did you know he was being honest and not lying again? Um, Honestly, that's something that is really hard. Sometimes I do feel kind of triggered and I'm wondering if Matt is still being honest with me. And that is really just something that I've had to work through personally And I've kind of gotten to the point where I have healed enough and gained um, that faith and trust in Heavenly Father that we've kind of talked about previously to kind of know that even if he isn't being honest with me again and I find out about pornography use again in our marriage or something, I'm going to be okay. And I just really know that Heavenly Father is going to take care of me. So that's hopefully some place that everyone of you can get to at some point and that's just going to take some time. But as far as rebuilding trust goes, again, it just takes a lot of time. And something that Matt and I did was we, he told me about every relapse and we kind of did like a 24 hour period. So he didn't have to tell me about it immediately after he kind of had some time to think through it. Um, That really helped me build back some trust when he was being honest with me about that. And it really helped me build back trust when he was honest with me when he was struggling with things. There were some times when I didn't really want to know a lot of details about what he was struggling with or how things were going, and that's something that he would talk to his sponsor about, but he would at least come to me and say, this is what's going on, I'm talking to my sponsor about it, and that would kind of help me as well. A lot of times, rebuilding trust didn't even really have to do with the pornography issue. We would just kind of have to rebuild trust back in our friendship and back in our marriage and going on dates and having vulnerable conversations with each other. Those things were really helpful. Something that Dr. Levitt and I talked about that I really loved in episode 12 was about emotional intimacy and how you have to be intimate with your partner, not just physically, but emotionally. And part of that intimacy, there's a great joy that comes from um, sharing your hopes and your dreams and your positive things with your spouse. But then there's also a side of intimacy that you're kind of sharing the ugly parts of yourself where... Matt is maybe saying like, hey, I'm really struggling with pornography right now, or I'm saying I'm really struggling to trust you. And having those deep, vulnerable conversations, even when you're not really that excited to share those things about yourself, that also really helps build back trust and intimacy because you know that your spouse loves you and cares about you even after you are sharing some of those harder things. I love that so much, Katie. Thanks for sharing that. I just think that anytime we can share difficult things in our lives, we're going to get closer. And 
so much of the shame that comes from pornography is kind of thinking that we're like the only ones that struggle and especially like the only ones that struggle kind of with anything like our spouse or friends or something are, are so perfect but that's not the case and so I love that yeah and then another question that kind of goes along with that is how did pornography affect your marriage and life other than the hurt that came from dishonesty and that is a good question I feel like a lot of it did come from dishonesty. I remember talking to Matt early on in our marriage and saying, um, I can deal with your use of pornography. Obviously, it's not ideal. I don't want that in our marriage. But it it comes to a point where if you're lying to me about it, that's going to be a lot harder to deal with. And I'm really not okay with that. So the lying and dishonesty was really hard. But as far as the pornography goes, that is also something that is hard, especially as a woman, to be dealing with in a marriage Um, having your spouse looking at pornography and I feel like that really affected my body image it affected how secure I felt with Matt in our marriage in our emotional and physical intimacy and sometimes I would feel really scared that Matt was just going to go off in his addiction or that we were going to have to get a divorce or that things were going to get worse kind of like that with his pornography use and that really scared me a lot of the time yeah thanks for sharing that so much of our marriage has gotten a lot better kind of since overcoming this. Obviously, there are still struggles, but I feel like it really affected our marriage in ways that maybe we didn't even realize. Yeah, it kind of just felt like there was like a dark cloud or shadow yeah. just kind of hanging over us a lot of the time. And again, some of that did come from dishonesty. Yep. Some of that really just came from Matt using pornography and how he wasn't able to feel the spirit at times. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that didn't translate into our marriage as well. And I think there is just, um, there's so much more hope and peace that comes to a marriage when you're not being wrapped up in that kind of stuff. So, yeah. On to the next question. If my spouse views pornography at all, should they meet with a bishop? I think first I'd like to clarify the role of a bishop. Sometimes we use the bishop as a sponsor. And in some scenarios, I'm sure that's good. The best use of a bishop that I've seen is as a judge of Israel who can help you find repentance and healing through the atonement of Jesus Christ. You should use bishop to meet with them, to kind of confess any serious sins that you have, and to work towards the temple and other ordinances, but then use like a sponsor or a support person to have like daily accountability, weekly phone calls, stuff like that. And your bishop can fall in kind of somewhere in between two if you really are like close with them or whatever. But um, my experience is that it's always good to visit with the bishop. Um, if you're ever wondering about anything for any reason, I think it can never hurt to sit down with your bishop and say, this is what's on my mind. This is what I'm thinking about. Talk to me about this. And I just think that promotes like healthy relationships and healthy um, understanding of like priesthood roles. And for me, I have been someone in my life that I've been so nervous every time I meet with a bishop. And it wasn't until the last few years where I've really found so much healing in meeting with a bishop. And it's because I kind of changed that from being afraid and being nervous to kind of come out and say, this is what I'm struggling with, to um, now I feel like I found some humility that's helped me say, this is what I'm struggling with and I need your help to do this. And um, the bishop really helped me find a lot of like deep forgiveness um, from God. And that's been so powerful to me. And I know people don't always have great experiences, but that's how I would use a bishop. And so my answer is, I would go see your bishop if you're wondering at all um, about anything. And if you're a spouse who is supporting your loved one in the addiction and you feel like it would be important for your spouse to go see the bishop, that's something that you could talk to them about and you could just say, hey, 
I'm not really sure if you need to go see the bishop or what the bishop's going to say. I don't know if you have an addiction or whatever. But as your spouse, it would make me feel a lot better if you and I could just go sit down with the bishop and talk to him. And that's something you can kind of request of your spouse, I believe. And of course, your spouse might say, no, I don't want to. And at that point, you kind of might just need to let it go. Um, You can't really control your spouse to go see the bishop. But that's definitely something that you can request of your spouse and kind of see what he or she feels about that. Um, The next question says, if you suspect they're struggling, but they won't tell you about it, what do you do? This is definitely something that can be really scary. I've definitely been there myself. Um, I believe that in a marriage, you should be able to talk about whatever you want and share whatever you want, ask whatever you want, even though it can be really kind of hard and scary. But I would just say to approach your spouse and be as vulnerable as you can be. Try to make it a really safe situation for your spouse. Maybe don't do it like right before bedtime or when your spouse is about to go into a test or something like that. Maybe have like a sit down conversation. Make sure your spouse feels really safe and just approach it in a way that you were being really vulnerable and kind and say, this is something that I'm really worrying about. Um, I'm not sure if this is going on or not, but I would like to talk to you about this. Don't be accusatory and try, try to make it so your spouse can't get very defensive. Something that Matt and I have done also in the past is writing each other letters. If you're kind of nervous about talking to your spouse and maybe how they're going to respond or how you're going to respond in the conversation, you can write down a letter and say, say all the things that you're worried about and kind of address your spouse in that way. And you could even have your spouse address you back in a letter if you want to. Um, Another thing that you can do is you can say, hey, this is something that I would like to ask you about. This is something that I'm worried about. You don't have to answer right now, but come talk to me about it within 24 hours or some kind of time period or something so your spouse can maybe not feel defensive and kind of gather their thoughts and then come back to you when they're ready to talk about it. Yeah, it's so cool. I think anything that you can do, it's obviously not on you as the spouse to get them to tell the truth, but anything that you can do to make it more comfortable Sometimes when I sponsor people and they kind of tell me up front, this is what I'm, this is where I'm at, this is everything that's going on, I tell them, if you're lying to me today, I trust you, but if you're lying to me, totally tell me in the future and don't worry that I'm going to judge you or be like, oh, you lied to me. I just think there's so much power in kind of um, knowing that, I don't know, just giving them permission to tell you in the future if they need to, um, even though that could be kind of scary, I'm sure. So next question, um, your thoughts and advice on the following. How can I turn my mental health illness from a weakness into a strength on my journey to overcome this addiction? I don't have a ton of experience with mental health illness. Um, Neither of us really do. Katie has a cool episode that she's going to launch pretty soon um, about mental health illness a little bit and just, I guess, anxiety and depression specifically. But I will say that any situation or any struggle that puts you in a unique kind of with a unique perspective or like a new way of looking at the world is something that you can leverage to make a strength. And I think for me in my life, pornography addiction was definitely one of my greatest weaknesses. It was something that has kept me from immense blessings. It's kept me from honesty and it's isolated me from the world. And I would, I would have said anytime over the last basically 10 to 12 years that pornography is my biggest weakness. I would say now that it has become one of my greatest strengths because I have this great podcast. My wife and I try to help people, try to do firesides. I can sponsor people and serve people in like a way that other people that I know that do not or haven't struggled with pornography addiction can't help people. And so it's so cool to see this weakness becoming a strength. And 
I believe that, you know, as you overcome your addiction and kind of find ways to cope with mental health, you can use that as a strength, at least in one capacity, to serve other people and to say, I've been there or I know how you're feeling or, you know, if someone struggles with something else to know what it means to struggle and go through hard things. And so I'd say that's so amazing um, and such a, a great, like, gift sort of that you have to be able to serve others. I think there are a lot of other ways to serve, and I don't think that I have all the answers definitely right now to to help you find all the ways. I know that, um, and Katie always says this too, but like praying, reading the scriptures, receiving revelation will will help you find ways to serve others with that. I um, just want to read from Ether. This is often quoted, but it's so amazing. If men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness that they may be humble, and my grace is sufficient for all men to humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. It's so cool that we bring our weakness to God and he makes it strong and humility is a big key there. I would definitely say that you can make this a strength and that's probably going to come through personal revelation of your own. So the next question is, how do I respond to others who try to normalize pornography use or say it's actually healthy for you when clearly it's so detrimental? I'm really glad that this question was asked because it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately actually. Um, first I would say you kind of have to understand where the other person is coming from because there is a lot of research that shows that pornography use or even masturbation in marriage or just as an individual is healthy for you or isn't detrimental to your marriage. But as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe in prophets and our prophet and the apostles frequently talk about pornography use and how it is detrimental to a marriage. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we believe that faith and science are not mutually exclusive. We can believe in both of them, but there are sometimes where the prophets and the apostles say things that kind of go against the research and science. And so that's the situation where we kind of need to decide if we are going to believe and have faith in what the prophets are telling us, or if we are going to go with the science. So our prophet and leaders have repeatedly taught the destructive nature of pornography. So that's something that you can mention to someone if they are asking you about that. And this is something that I, like I mentioned, have been thinking about and kind of, I was kind of having the same question. It was actually really cool. I think it was maybe last month sometime in Come Follow Me and it was DNC 29 that was kind of being talked about and it talks about how God says that all commandments were spiritual. And so it's DNC 2934, and it says, I say unto you that all these things unto me are spiritual, and not at any time have I given unto you a law which was temporal. And I was just thinking about that and pondering about that, and I thought that goes exactly in line with this question and how we may not be able to understand why these things are conflicting between the prophets and research, but we can just have faith in God and that and that we can know that his commandments are spiritual and science isn't necessarily going to tell us about spirituality they cannot really measure that that's something that god created us he created our spirits and he knows exactly what is meant for us and so that's something that i've kind of been holding on to and was an answer to me so maybe that's something that you can connect with as well um, but as far as responding to someone. I'm not sure if you're wanting to talk to them about your different opinions or not. Um, so you can either talk about like the words that the prophets have said or that scripture that I mentioned. You can talk about um, those those kind of things. Or if you kind of just want to keep it simple, you can say, 
you know what, I respect your opinion. I completely understand where you're coming from with the research and I understand why you feel like that. Um, but this is kind of where I'm coming from and I would like you to respect me. This is, um, I'm deciding to follow the prophet and the leaders and the scriptures and this is kind of where we're going with this. Um, and this is something that you can tell if this is harming your spirit or if this is harming your spouse's spirit or if this is something that is a problem in your marriage. It doesn't really matter what research says about it. If it's something that's harmful in your marriage and you're not happy with it, that's something that you can deal with. Yeah, absolutely. And I just have to say, Katie has such a great and unique perspective on this as someone who studied family science and had lots of experiences studying research and seeing kind of what what things are happening. And this is something she's talked to me quite a bit about. Um, and so I, I just, I love that answer. I have personally responded to this basically by saying from someone who kind of pushed back on this with me um, that I struggle to feel the spirit, feel close to Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and be honest with my wife when I'm looking at pornography and that it's something that I feel like is a compulsion that I would love to get out of my life. And so for me, that's enough to definitely want to deal with it. The next question is a really great one and I appreciate the person that shared this for being so vulnerable. But this person said, I have become inactive, and I'm feeling that there has been no change since I last talked to my bishop who said, quote, you know, a girl won't want to be with someone who looks at this stuff. This is something that you just need to stop and get over, end quote. That was the last thing that he left me with. I've been avoiding the bishop and ward since then because of shame. What should I do now? I just, I love this question because so much of what I hear from people that are kind of dealing with pornography who aren't married, they're wanting to become clean so that they can get married. And I love... I love that they just want to be so like chased for like their future spouse. But this is a challenge that is huge. It affects such a high percentage of men and women. So the chances are that any girl out there that you have the potential to marry or um, date or anything is probably going to end up with someone who has either struggled with this or seen pornography or struggles with something else. And so you're not alone in this. And I'm sure that your bishop meant well, and he is right. It is something that you should overcome. I don't love his approach, though, and I hate railing on bishops because I know most of them are just really trying to do the Lord's work, but I, I feel like the approach definitely wouldn't have resonated with me, and I probably would have reacted the same way that you did. I'm sure that it's really hard to reach out to your bishop and go to your ward after feeling a hurt like that, um, but I would say that bishops, like we kind of mentioned earlier, um, should be used um, as people to help you repent. And so I would say that it, it's a good thing to go back to your bishop and to talk to him and tell him what's been hard and um, maybe be really vulnerable and say, this is how I feel. Um, and this is how things that you've said kind of have made me feel. I think it would be also important for you to find another support person to help you and support you, um, maybe some kind of a sponsor or a mentor. You just have to imagine that a lot of the men and women in your ward also struggle with this. You are not alone. I had an opportunity a little over a year ago to stand up in sacrament meeting and say, hey everyone, this is my story. I've struggled with pornography addiction for well over 10 years of my life and I'm finally finding some sobriety. I, at that point, had probably been maybe six months sober or something like that and I just want to share my story. And after that, I had well over a dozen people reach out to Katie and me um, just about their own struggles and their own like addictions and supporting their loved ones and so that told me that at least that many people in my word struggle and i just know that so many more talking with bishops so many people struggle with this and um, i mean we get 
people reaching out to us, you know, from the podcast, from every time we do ARP meetings or just like last week I had 25 people at our um, 12 step meeting. And I just know that there are so many people who struggle with this. And so hurt and shame is a powerful tool. And it's one that the adversary uses against us um, because it stops connection. It stops us from coming out of isolation and it stops us from connecting with heaven. Um, but those are all powerful ways of coming out of this. So you mentioned that you're less active and I know that it can be really hard to come back and to, um, go to a place where you don't feel safe, but I know that so many blessings will come from coming back to talking with your bishop from finding sobriety and that anyone who says that you're the only one that struggles with this is, is misinformed because I know so many good Latter-day Saints, so many good members of the church who struggle with this regularly, including myself. And thankfully, um, there is the church has amazing resources and amazing program. Um, but some of like the leaders and leadership are still kind of getting the training, getting the experience that they need to confront this. So I would love to have you, whoever asked this question, reach out to us um, at our email, sobrietypodcast at gmail.com. Um, I'd love to talk with you, help you, sponsor you in any way that I can, just because your experience isn't uh, unique and I would love to help you in any way that I can. Yeah, I'm sorry that you had that experience though. I know that a lot of people have experiences like that with their bishops. Um, There are also a lot of people who have really great experiences with their bishops too. So it kind of just depends on the personality and how sensitive the bishop is and things like that. So I know that you can find some help and I hope that you can feel a little bit better about going back to church and stuff. Um, And our last question is, did you ever have family members or friends who told you you should be separated or divorced? How did you deal with that? That's not something that I've personally dealt with. I haven't had anyone reach out to me and say that to me, but I know a lot of women who have had that experience. And I would just say there are kind of two parts to this, where for the first part, your friends and your family, those are people who know you really well and have your best interest at heart. They love you so much. And so hearing their advice and hearing what they have to say about things like that, that's definitely something that you should take into consideration. I'm not saying that you should do everything that they're saying, but definitely take that into consideration because they definitely love you and are just trying to support you in the best way that they can. Um, The other part of that is even if they are saying those things that you need to be separated or divorced or something like that, this is something that only you and your husband or your wife really know about. This is something that only you can really decide. Um, So I would just say seek revelation through the Spirit and ask Heavenly Father what you should be doing. Um, There are also some people who don't have great understanding about pornography addiction and marriage, and some people think that if your spouse has a pornography addiction, that's the end of your marriage, that you should definitely get divorced or separated no matter what. And that's not always helpful either. So that's just something you need to take that into consideration, but also think about your specific situation and receive revelation from Heavenly Father and he may tell you to keep working through it and that things are possibly going to get better or he may tell you that you need to listen to their advice. Um, Either way, I know that it will be okay and that you will be able to get through this tough period and you just need to make the best decision for you even if your friends and family members are judging you or thinking that you are making the wrong decision to stay with your spouse that is just something that you need to stick with and you can feel confident that there are so many people who are staying with their spouse through an addiction and that there is definitely a chance that it can work out and that you guys can work through this 
I totally agree. Thanks, Katie, for sharing that. Well, that is the end of this episode. Those are the questions that we were able to answer today, and we are so grateful for everyone who submitted questions. We hope that you found this episode helpful. Um, Just a quick fast forward over the next few weeks. Um, Next week, Katie will be launching an awesome episode. Katie, do you want to tell everyone about that? Yeah, so my next episode is from Sarah. She is really awesome. And if you remember last week, it's episode 13, um, Jace shared his story. And so Sarah is Jace's wife. So you can kind of have like a side by side of what they've been through in their marriage. Sarah has been a facilitator in the church's program and she has supported so many women. So I'm excited for you to hear her story. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. She's uh, just such a, an amazing uh, woman, amazing wife. So we're excited to share that. Um, the week after that, I'm going to do kind of something new. I'm not going to interview anyone. I am just going to kind of talk about some things that have been on my mind. Um, I've had the chance to sponsor some people recently and just some of the questions that have come up, some of the thoughts, some of the concerns. Um, I would love to talk about those and just give my my thoughts and kind of the things that I've seen. And so I'm really excited to share that episode. It's going to be things that are really important to me. So Um, that's just kind of a a look forward over the next few weeks and we're really excited to have you join those episodes. So please tune in next week and and the week after to this, uh, this episode, this podcast. If we didn't get to your question today, you can email us. If you are okay, not remaining anonymous, you can email us and we can answer you. We're super happy to always be responding and making connections with more people. So let us know if you want us to answer your question and we are grateful that you listened to this episode. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to rate and review this podcast as well as share it with everyone you know. For information about the church's 12-step and support meetings, please visit arp.churchofjesuschrist.org. We encourage everyone to find a sponsor or support person. If you have any questions, feedback, are looking for a sponsor, or would like to be a sponsor, please contact us at sobrietypodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for more guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed, please contact us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.